0: pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Dave and Ashley, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Hey, Blake. Thanks hey, hey. for having us. Yes. I love when I get to have a like married couple. These are always the most fun and hilarious conversations because <laughs> there's just something about that married dynamic. It's just so much fun. So y'all have your book, the counterfeit climax. You also work with your podcast is the naked marriage pod project podcast. podcast, yeah. podcast. And then you work with XO,
1: correct? Yes, right. You
0: do all the things. And I'm like trying to keep them straight <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah. Well,
1: you, you got you got most of it right there. Okay, uh, good. The only thing to add is just that uh, we, have, we have four kids. That's what keeps us like, four super boys busy. They're all that. boys. Ooh. Yeah. So a lot of testosterone in the <laughs> house.
2: <laughs> teenagers and elementary schoolers. So yeah, we've been married 20 years. We're college sweethearts. And we've been doing, you know, trying to, we call ourselves marriage encouragers. We don't consider ourselves experts necessarily because we don't believe really that you can necessarily be an expert because you're always, things are always changing. But we have been doing this for about 10 years together and we love
1: it. And yeah, it's been
0: a lot of fun. Busy. <laughs> That's awesome. So I feel like we're a little bit the same in that, like y'all had to have known the title of your book would be like an eye catcher, right? Like <laughs> people are like, oh, what is that? I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about counterfeit climates. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> kind of the same, like crappy Christian, people are like, what does that mean? <laughs> so you have to like you have to explain that a little bit. You have to tell us a little bit about your book.
1: Well, sure. uh, the counterfeit climax is not a book about faking orgasms, which we oh, ask like. Is that all that's <laughs> about? I'm
0: thinking
1: like that would be hard to write a whole book about that. Yeah, I mean, really. Right. That would be just a few pages, I guess. But
2: exactly.
1: No, it's it's really about in the work that we do with married couples and folks write us all the time, you know, on on Facebook, Instagram. Email, they grab us at the live events we do and they they want to talk to us about issues related to sex and feel like they finally found a safe place to talk about sex within the Christian world. And we're we're honored to kind of help facilitate those conversations. But what we found through those conversations is that a lot of us, even in the church, have, have developed a lot of counterfeit messages related to sex. And some of that is from how we were raised, or maybe some of the choices we made, or maybe coming out of you know purity culture or hookup culture or whatever it is that kind of led us in. Into where we are, um, and then the expectations we have and body image issues that we have. And you kind of put it all together. And we found that everybody has got some form of sexual baggage, even if they were virgins entering into marriage. They've got some counterfeit messages they've believed. And so we just we wanted to write this book as a way to kind of shine a light on all the counterfeits so that we could get back to kind of the genuine article and start experiencing really the freedom. And that's the key word, I think, is the freedom that God wants us to have in the bedroom.
0: Yeah. Amen. My whole thing is always like, why are Christians not known for having the best sex ever? Because like, we're the only ones with a direct line to the guy that created it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We should be killing it. Like we feel like we should be like the go-to resource, like for sure, gotten it the way that it's been taught. And I think that the enemy loves that personally. Mm -hmm. I think it's, If the enemy is disabled Christian marriages in the bedroom, I feel like that makes him very happy because it should be the opposite. Yeah,
1: exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: That's really one of our big messages in our book is like God created sex. It is good. It is meant for marriage. And that is awesome. And so we need to pay attention to that and we need to prioritize that. And, you know, whenever we've talked to people who've actually read the book, a lot of times they say the biggest thing they got from it was then, oh my goodness, there is a lot of freedom. Like when you look at yeah. scripture, there's a lot of freedom in the bedroom, Yeah, you know, in the context of marriage, sex is, it's a beautiful, binding, awesome thing. And I do, I do think that because we have received these counterfeit messages, meaning they're not, they're not, you know, if you take a little bit of truth, but it's kind of surrounded by lies because that's what yeah. the enemy loves to do. You know, we've had these extra, it's really extra biblical stuff that we've gotten that's literally not of God at all, but we think, Oh, that sounds kind of like it's in the Bible. So let's believe that. And then we, what we end up doing is having all these hindrances coming into marriage and a lot of shame. You know, there's so much shame that Mm. people bring in. And and really, even if like, like we said out of the gate, even if they hadn't necessarily had intercourse before marriage, there's so many people from all walks of life that just bring so much shame. And the shame is like a wall that's built between a husband and wife. And you just see so many other issues come out of that.
0: Absolutely. Well, in shame, if we're being Christians are being weird about talking about sex. Yeah. Like that is the most ideal environment for shame to like grow and fester and take over. Right. If it's just kind of being like pushed over there. And so you kind of touched on or you did touch on one of the things that we wanted to talk about was this idea of like sexual baggage or sexual hang up, which is ultimately shame. But in this culture, where okay like so let's say let's talking to the like millennials and a little bit older who grew up like really steeped in purity culture right so we oh yeah we like signed the little piece of paper and put it in our bible and we wore the ring and we went to the like True Love weights conferences which are, that's I, so i have a book coming out in the fall and my i have a whole chapter that's just like hammering on purity culture and how like horrible and damaging it is because i grew up like prime time purity culture but we think that because we weren't having sex, like we're good. Like, we're yeah. like how far, like, how I mean, how many things did you go to where like the question that was asked is like, but how far is far is too far? Like, tell me where the line is so that I can tow it and then like cross it probably. So what is your experience been in having these conversations with so many different people, like different experiences with sexual baggage for like having people who were versions that got married and realized they had baggage. And they're like, I'm not supposed to have baggage. Like I did. I kept the rules, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think that's yeah. jarring for people. Like, mm-hmm. cause they think it's almost like they made this silent deal with God. Um, yes. it was the ones that in like the purity culture movement, it's like, I'm signing a silent contract with God. that's understood that I'm not going to do certain things. And then the, the trade-off is going to be from the moment I say I do, I'm going to be living in sexual ecstasy <laughs> for the rest of my life. Right. And never going to have any hangups or baggage or frustrations, and then you get married and you realize like you, whatever your your circumstances were leading into it, whether you you had kind of like kept that that pledge that you made at the youth camp or you, you'd blown it a hundred different times um, in different ways, whatever your experience had been, we all kind of get into marriage and realize mm-hmm. like okay. I've got hangups I didn't realize I had. I've got insecurities I didn't realize I had. I've got all these expectations I'm placing on this other person Mm. that aren't fair and realistic. And then they've got the same thing. And we're trying to figure out how that works. And I know like on our honeymoon, you know, like all those years ago, you know, I came in with, I think we were both excited.
0: Definitely.
2: I was like scared to death though, because like sex was the thing that like the thing we do not speak of, like in my home. Yeah. And I grew up in an amazing youth group. But it was parody culture time. Like, I really am not. I, I know that the intention was good. And I think they were like working with what they had. Exactly. Yeah. It was such the narrative of the time. It was. Know? It was. And And so I don't want to like throw them under the bus because I do think they were really trying to help us. But it was so... It, sex was always this negative thing. And I remember, um, and even with my mom, I mean, my mom literally on my wedding day was like, we should probably have the talk now. I mean, I'm 20 years old. Yes. I'm young getting married, but still I'm my like, mom, <laughs> seriously, like that ship has sailed. I <laughs> learned what I'm going to learn. I'm getting ready to walk down the aisle and oh, I, God. you know, I had saved myself for Dave. Wasn't perfect. Save ourselves for each well, other. And- Not perfectly. I'll just want to say that. But, but, you know, I did kind of in my mind, I didn't realize it at the time, but I really did kind of make a deal. Like in my mind, I was like, well, I'm doing the right, the right things, quotation hands. Yeah. And so it's just going to, I'm going to be this natural sexual goddess. Nothing's going to stop us. We're just going to know what we're going to do. And it's going to be awesome. And that is just, it was fine. But I remember very quickly, I felt very
1: inadequate. Well, and I felt, I kind of made kind of the silent deals with God. And, and I had like, I've gotten off track. Like and I and so like my my the one bear like I thought well I'm not I'm not gonna have intercourse you know but right then then it became anything and like everything I could do like up to that point like I had crossed all these other lines and yeah. and then in addition to that I poisoned my mind with with porn and thinking like well one day I'll be married and I won't need this anymore and this is just kind of helping prepare me like I'm, I'm believing all these lies like this is almost like how to material like this is uh this is showing me the moves that I'm gonna need. And uh, so I poisoned my mind with all of that, about those mindsets. And then finally, you know, when Ashley and I.
2: I didn't know about this.
1: Right. And, and, I, and then I kept that a secret because then I felt bad about it. But still in my mind, I think in this weird way, I thought, well, now that I'm married, that won't be an issue. And I thought that, I don't know, I, I, I just felt like it was going to be perfect. and You'll be
2: fulfilled. And, and and every, in be every day. imaginable
1: way. Yeah. But really because of the, the baggage that I had, and having not really, you know, come clean, especially about like kind of the porn part and what that had done to my mind early in our marriage, I fell back into that. And then it then it became this huge issue that that once it came out, it created more more pain in her and, and feelings of you know, inadequacy, even though it had nothing to do with her. It was an addiction that I was battling from before I'd even met her. But that came out and trust was wounded and it, it obviously damaged every part of our relationship and specifically our sex life. And we, we worked through it. We talk a lot about that in our podcast and other places, but we've kind of limped through all of that in the early years, uh, long before we were helping other couples. But we found that like every couple has their own version of that story.
0: Absolutely. Even
1: if they were virgins, yeah. they, they've got their own version of that story.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. You touched on something talking about like looking to porn to kind of be your how-to, which. Mm-hmm. It's the worst how-to ever. There's so yeah. many hilarious horror stories of like husbands going to like try things and the wives are like, what are you doing? Absolutely not. But the the sad side of that is, is that we're, and I've had this conversation like with friends when we're young, or even if you do get married older and you made the right decision to wait, I do believe like that's a godly decision. That's what God wants for us. Yes. But we're taught everything else. We're given all the marriage books. we do marriage counseling. There's like all this information, but when it comes to sex, it's just like, figure it out. Like, (laughs) like you really do just like think you're going to magically like, you know, wear a pretty dress and say I do, and then go on your honeymoon and it's going to be amazing. And that's just like, so unrealistic. And so I've been having conversations with people recently because we're kind of involved with like the older college, like young adults at our church. And like, what? Like, I just don't even know what that looks like. I'm not going to like I'm not going to give you a Kama Sutra because that's weird. But like, <laughs> have you all kind of had that conversation? of Like, how do we better educate people about the bedroom without it being weird?
2: Absolutely. It is. It's, it's kind of a slippery slope because you don't want to create something that can become porn, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so it, it's just, it's hard to know what to do. I know that there's different, like, I, I know that there are some Christian products out there where they use like artists, you know, that little artist person that you form in different ways. If you're an oh, artist? Yeah, you know I'm yeah. talking about like the wooden
0: one, the yeah. wooden, yes. like
2: they'll use that and put them in different positions. Cause it's very much like, not right. sexy. It's you, just showing yeah. positions or whatever. Right. But and, and in the work we do, we don't have books like that, but we do think, you know, there has to be places where you can talk about these things. Exactly. The biggest thing is, is, is that there is a lot of freedom and that both partners though, need to feel safe and they need to feel loved and respected and not forced, you know, not coerced into something. Cause that is what porn perpetuates is that, you know, if this one partner is watching porn and getting all these fantasies, and then putting their spouse in a position where they're like, you need to do this in order for me to be happy. It just creates so much toxicity between the couple oh,
1: yeah.
2: and it becomes too, it really, I mean, just to talk very frankly, you end up making your spouse just a warm body yeah. to fulfill that turn on that you got for whatever porn you were watching. And so like in the counterfeit climax, we really, we talk a lot of, it's not all about that, but talk a lot about a lot of different issues, but we do talk specifically about that because So many Christians do fall into porn, really just looking like trying to figure out sex, but it's like literally the worst place you could go. And I don't say that to bring shame on anybody, but just to educate them because it is so enticing and we're human beings. We're drawn to the naked body. I mean, God made us to want to desire sex. He made us to want to be attracted to nakedness. So that is a natural thing. But when we're looking at the counterfeit of porn, it literally is a poison that we don't even know we're taking. Yeah. And and we know that all too well. I mean, we know the damage that can be done. We know also what God can do in healing us. But, you know, it is, I think that the first place, just sorry, that's a very long drawn-out explanation. like well, sorry, it's about a that. podcast. That's kind of the point. <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> but I I would say to answer your question, is we had to talk about this. Like in our book in particular, we get very gut level honest and we want to take couples, whether engaged, seriously dating, engaged or married, it could be all those different categories. We want you to talk very honestly about this. I think a lot of times it starts with expectations Yeah, and even past experiences, like meaning, yes, sexual past experiences, if you've had those, but even if you haven't, past experiences in the sense of your own impressions of what it's supposed to look like, of what the role that sex plays in marriage and things
0: like that, and really talk through all these things. That's, and that is kind of what I was getting at talking about, like we're throwing, people into marriage and just expecting them to figure it out while we're giving them all these other resources for everything else. Like, I think just the fact that y'all are opening the dialogue to like, Hey, like we can, we can talk about it. It's have a conversation. I can remember being newly married with like a couple of like newly married girlfriends and wanting to talk about like sex, not like fluffy, but like, is this normal or like, are we, are we doing this right? And everybody was like, so awkward. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess we'll just figure it out on our own. But I can see like you innocently, I think a lot of people I know have like innocently turned to the internet mm-hmm. yeah. and like the internet's not going to help you because it's just going to, it's just going to direct you to porn. Like, like yeah. pretty much any sexual search is going to turn you to porn. And so we kind of talked about this, like, you know, seriously dating engaged, you know, younger age, and I know one of the things that you talk about in your book is like the troubling, kind of narrative that's happening on college campuses, and with that younger age, I can, I mean, that was that was rampant when I was in college ten years ago. So, what are you kind of finding they're being told and taught at this age where you're like you're really starting to figure out what this even looks like? It, it is
1: such a it's such a strange time to be a young adult as it relates to sex because like two two things are happening simultaneously that are both sabotaging, you know, God's plan for sexual fulfillment in marriage. And, and so on one hand on one extreme, these, you know, these young adults are being taught that like, you know, hookup culture is still a very real thing and like, you know, hook up, explore, figure out what you like, you know, have, you know, have random sex, watch porn to figure out what you're into and then go experiment with that, you know, on real people. And it's it's consequence free and you got to try it all you got to try you got to try different genders you got to try different everything to kind of figure out what you're into and just have fun and explore and that obviously causes a great deal of baggage so that's happening on one extreme but then on the other extreme there is kind of like for a fear being placed in young folks for having any kind of intimacy at all and i'm not mm-hmm. just talking about sex i'm talking about like, like real real yeah. intimacy and so kids and young adults are being driven into just a digital world yeah. where they're acting out kind of this, the sexual aspect of themselves completely digitally. In places like Japan, there's such a rampant use of anime porn that they're having an epidemic of men no longer being attracted to real women because their mind has been reshaped by a version of pornography that doesn't yeah. exist in real life. And this is like a real thing you can read articles about where guys oh, aren't getting God. married because yeah. they've gotten so into this digital world that they're having, you know, digital sex with avatars that don't even exist and now they don't know how to translate that into real life relationships and so folks are just, you know, there's kind of like a relationship intimacy fear and apprehension for some that is, keep, is keeping them away from any kind of health, healthy relationship and they're just, you know, going to masturbate the rest of their lives. Right, right. And then on the other hand, it's like they're being taught that Essentially, like use promiscuity is freeing and, and, and that's sabotaging, too. And so there are these two extremes that young folks are being handed and neither of them are any good at all. And right. And so what God's doing in the middle is saying, like, no, oh, sex is awesome. Sex is great within marriage. It's beautiful. It's and if you'll do it my way, you can experience like being known and knowing someone in a beautiful, intimate mind, body, soul kind of way. And so the, again, with the counterfeit climax, we're just trying to shine the light on kind of all the counterfeits out there. And there are a bunch and college campuses are like ground zero for where these, these myths are being perpetuated and just saying, but good, good news guys is God made sex. It's still awesome. He still has a great plan for you within marriage. And even for the mistakes you've made, you you're a new creation in Christ and you don't have to live under the feeling like you're defined by that because of grace. Like you know thank god none of us are defined by the the sins we've committed or the mistakes we've made and so there's freedom right where you are to receive that grace and then carry that into a healthy relationship and we try to just help people take steps toward that like Ashley said whether they're dating engaged or whether they've been married for years to kind of you know unearth some of the the junk they've lived with for a long time so they can kind of get a, a fresh start
0: can you put your phone on do not disturb when it vibrates i I feel like the audio is probably picking it up And those really are kind of two extremes, right? Like, it's like this totally detached one physically and then this totally detached one emotionally. I kind of experienced that walking through college where even though I had, like, grown up in purity culture and done, like, I mean, I had the ring. I had, like, I did the whole thing. I mean... I, is it fair to be like, I just really liked making out like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> like there's a reason we want to do that. Cause it's fun and it like feels good and the attention is nice. And so I did that a ton with like no emotional strength for, even for a female, like I look back and I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> A little male of you, like I could just like, <laughs> like just like make out, hook up a little bit, be like, mm, we're not gonna have sex because I've got the ring,
1: but but we can still have
0: fun. But we can like do everything else, and then I'm gonna roll out, and like I'll be fine the next day. So I thought, right? And then like you get married, and you realize dragged like all of these people. Then I started. I've struggled with an anxiety disorder since I was a kid. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I started to try to understand like the science of the brain. And through that process of understanding the science of my brain with anxiety and ADHD and all of that kind of stuff, learning about the science of the brain sexually and realizing that like those experiences like formed ties and connections and that's another thing that I remember looking back being like, why did nobody tell Like, if somebody would have told me, yeah, you may feel like you're walking out of there. Like, I don't give a crap, mm-hmm. but like your brain connected you to that person. I like, I mean, yeah. maybe I'm making assumptions, but I feel like I would have been a little bit more right. careful or like wise with my decisions. And so it's just like, there's so many wrong messages that these like college age, young adults can be told like if you got to kind of be like, here's the one thing, like, here's the one thing I want you just keep this at the forefront. Like, what do you feel like that would be?
1: Say what's yours.
0: I would say, actually, to say to talk
2: about this um, at our youth group, I volunteer with ninth grade girls. I just have such a heart for youth, always have. I used to teach middle school, but I would just say, you don't need to force someone to love you. This is something my mom told me a long time ago when I was rejected in a very public way at a party and just devastated by it. And I remember... And it was by a guy that I had really thought was cute. And I just, you know, it was an early, early time in my life, but still very just oh, earth shattering. And my mom was like, you know, Ashley, you don't have to force someone to love you. Like you don't need to be out there just putting yourself out there like a lost puppy feeling like, will you love me. Will you love me? Will you love me? And she's like, you are lovable and you are loved just as you are. And she's like, you know, God loves you and I love you and you don't need to go around trying to fill that void. And that can sound like a sing song Christianese thing. And I promise you, I I know it can, but I don't mean it that way. I mean, like truly when we feel whole inside, when we know that, that we don't really have to look for this other half. I mean, God brought Dave in my life and he is the greatest gift to me, including our children. But when we met each other, you know, I don't feel like we were feeling like we needed to fill a void. Right. And because of that, you know, we weren't, physically trying to fill that void. Cause I do think sometimes sex becomes that because it's a, it is, you know, we feel loved. And so I think as a young person, when you can work on your relationship with God and say, you know what, God is the only one who can fill the void. I'm not, I'm not half of a person looking for that other half to make me whole. I'm a whole person. And when two whole people come together, you're going to have a much healthier relationship. And also when it comes to the physical stuff, you're not going to make as many compromises because you yeah. don't feel like you need to prove something to yourself or the world or whatever.
0: I love that. And so
2: that, that would be probably my biggest thing. And that's because there are, there are so many, and it's such a, a tender thing, you know, it's so we do live in this world in a, in a world that wants to define us by our relationship status or by how many people we've dated or how many people, how many even sexual partners we've had, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of young people out there feel, I mean, they feel like, well nobody's ever even tried to, you know, have sex with me, so I guess I'm just not desirable and it's like that is the farthest thing from the truth. And so I just wish that that more young people realize how amazing they are just in and of themselves.
0: Yes. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I would just say think think long term instead of short term. You know, yes. not only about sex yeah. but just about everything. Like that's yeah. most of the mistakes I made in life certainly, you know, relationally and otherwise, it's like it was thinking in, just in the moment instead of thinking about thinking Mm long-term. And so never trade temporary pleasure for permanent regret is something I tell our kids and something I wish somebody would have told me. Cause whenever I would like fall into porn or fall into just, you know, kind of like the the hookup kind of, you know, mentality, something that felt good in the moment. And you think like, well, this, as long as we don't pass like this certain line, then there, there aren't any, any consequences here, Yeah, but there are there, like you said, like there really, there really are now, thankfully Jesus can, can, freedom and grace and healing. And, and I'm so thankful for that. But it creates some natural consequences that God wants to prevent us from having to walk through in the first place. And yeah. it and it often like wounds other people as well. It's not just our own heart, but it's yeah. you know the hearts of others. And so just to think longer term, not just like, what do I really feel like I want in this moment? But instead, like, what do I want long term? And I want long-term a healthy relationship someday, a healthy marriage someday. And so I want to make decisions in the short term that help that long-term goal instead of things that could potentially sabotage that.
2: And can I add one more thing? Absolutely. I I feel like there's like, we talked about shame and I think that there's people who, and we've talked to people who've been married for like 20 years. And I like, I'll just, I'll share this example. I was talking to a dear friend of mine. They've been married almost as long as we have. And they were going through kind of a tough spot in their marriage. And sex was one of those areas where I think they would have it. Not, not neither one of them felt satisfied by it. And, and she just was kind of frustrated and he was frustrated. And we were talking as ladies one day and she literally said to me, she said, you know, I just don't think we'll ever have the kind of sex life or marriage that we're supposed to have because we made huge mistake. And I was like, what do you mean? What, what happened? And she said, well, we were saving ourselves for a good portion of our relationship, but then we, you know, we ended up having sex before we were married. And I said, well, have you at, see God's forgiveness over that? And she's like, oh my gosh, yes. A long time ago. And I was like, but you still think you need to punish yourself and your husband. And it's like, this is your cross to bear still. And she kind of looked at me and and she hadn't realized like she had been trying, she hadn't forgiven herself. You know what I'm saying? She had been carrying the shame that God never meant for her to carry. And so I just want to say to listeners, like, forgive yourself. You know, if if you've repented of this, you've walked away from whatever it was, forgive yourself too. Like I, I think we forget sometimes to just accept Christ's forgiveness and actually forgive ourselves. And, you know, we're not supposed to keep on punishing ourselves. That's yeah. just not how it works. That's really bad theology. It's just not how God now, works. People
1: give, they beat themselves up for something Jesus literally took a beating to forgive. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not being humble. And, and it's don't it's really being prideful because it's saying like, what Jesus did isn't enough for me.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's fake humility. Yes. 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 It's, it's this like, woe is me when the reality is I've had a similar conversation, not about like a sexual thing, but about kind of like somebody struggling with something and, you know, self-flagellating and being like, okay, so you think your sin is like bigger and better than the cross was, is basically what you're saying. Like the cross, the cross wasn't enough. Death and resurrection wasn't enough. Like this one sin, right. not, not Hitler, not 9 This yeah. one sin is like it. Yeah. And when you frame it that way, I remember my friend being like, uh like yeah. yeah that is essentially what I'm saying but it like we've dressed it up in humility yes and forgiving yourself is hard because it is. you like have I mean for me at least like I have this track right like I have this track that I can turn on whenever I want of that can like have you, do your kids watch inside out like the core yes. memories right yes. like my a lot of my core memories are like they're not yellow blue and red and gray and they're like purple and they're just regret. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, but do I believe that like, not only what Jesus did on the cross is enough, but what he's done in me, like right. the old is dead. The new has come. Yes, yes. Like I get to take my thoughts captive. I get to think on what is good and God has called me good. So mm-hmm. like, there's no point in like continuing to play these old movies because there are like real life consequences. There are real life Repercussions of choosing to live in that shame, exactly like your friend experienced. Like because she was choosing to stay there, it was damaging a part of her relationship. Where she probably, like in some weird way, thought she was doing the right thing. Right. Yes, she thought that was the right thing to like stay, like sorry and Uh like broken and oh, like it's never gonna be okay. And I feel like I God's really sarcastic because I'm really sarcastic. (laughs) And in those (laughs) moments, I always feel like God's like, really, like what are. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> can we not do this? <laughs> so I think that hopefully that's really freeing for people who are listening. Like, I think forgive yourself. Yeah. And I like that's daily. Like just like mm-hmm. I daily have to like lay down the, like lay down my desires and pick up my cross and like want to carry on for Jesus. I mess up a lot. Like not hmm. just not sexually, but like in life. And those things the enemy is going to use those things to form barriers between you and other people, man. That's that's so true. So true,
2: And it is daily. You're right. It's a daily thing. But when we do like what we really, it's it's all about surrender and saying, God, I trust you. I trust that you forgive me. Like, you know, that you forgive me and then walking in that freedom. And, you know, just to kind of fast forward, my friend, this was several years ago, I think, you know, they since have gotten therapy. We are huge proponents of Christian therapy. Oh my goodness. We've both been through it many times over. And, and, you know, through that, they have embraced that freedom and their marriage has never been better yeah. in yeah. all facets. And it, I think a lot of it was that epiphany of like, oh, my gosh, we don't have to keep punishing ourselves. Like yes. Jesus really did forgive us. You know? Yeah. And like we really can have freedom, you know, in all aspects of our our marriage. There's this beautiful freedom in Christ, you know, even in how we, how he works in our marriage. So, you know, th- I hope that gives hope to people because we do. You know, God wants us to have
0: freedom in him. I do too. I think that that's a really good place to end it because we could obviously there's so much to talk about. But I want people to get your book. Is it out? Yes, it's out. It's yes.
1: out. Yeah.
0: Get your get the counterfeit climax wherever you get books. Where can people connect with you and follow you online? Sure. Um, well, we're
2: all on social media, so if you go to at Dave and Ashley Willis on Instagram, we're right there. Same on TikTok. We're also, if you just look up marriage on Facebook, it, our faces will pop up and we're there. Nice. So when we share a lot of stuff on the marriage Facebook page as well.
1: Okay. Yeah. And the podcast is the Naked Marriage Podcast. Yeah. So check that out. We, have a, of, yes, we have a lot of the
0: episodes.
1: Yes. And we have a lot of fun with that. That's
0: awesome. Thank y'all so much for your time and your wisdom.
1: Thanks oh, for
2: being awesome, Blake. Yes, thank you, Blake.
0: All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.